Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody um, had a nice holiday period. I know it's been uh, nearly a couple weeks since we had the last podcast. I apologize uh, for the hiatus. Uh, I was down in California and then up in Alaska for uh, the Christmas holiday. So got some time to spend uh, with family, uh, the kiddos. I had a really nice time. It was relaxing. Didn't really get a, a ton of time to actually sit down and do the podcasting uh, as I normally do when I'm on my usual schedule. So that is why there was the hiatus. But we are back in action and I'm hoping to continue breeding, uh, continue bringing Um, at least a few of the podcasts per week. Uh, This week's podcast comes via at Tom S. Clark on Twitter. Uh, Tom is a fan of the podcast. He left a uh, rating and a review for the podcast. Thank you very much for doing that, Tom. Um, He chose to have Anthony Rendon, Nick Castellanos, and Walker Bueller as the three players we cover in today's podcast. It's a really nice lineup two of the guys who I absolutely love heading into next year and then one of the guys that I like and think he's going at fair value. So find out who those folks are. I also have a Reach Charles segment, which again is one of those uh, segments where I'm super excited about something that's happening in fantasy baseball uh, community. And this Reach Charles is on um, Smada's uh, at Minor Graphs Twitter account slash website, which provides rolling average graphs for minor league statistics, which is absolutely awesome, especially for folks who are in dynasty leagues. So I get into more depth on that. So thank you, Smada, for bringing that to all of us fantasy baseball addicts. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, you like what you're hearing, please do go to iTunes or your preferred podcast platform. Leave us a rating and a review. If you leave a five-star rating, you get to choose one player we cover in an upcoming uh, podcast. If you choose uh, a rating and a review, a five-star rating, and you leave a nice review, you can choose uh, three players to be covered in an upcoming podcast, or you can also choose a topic, especially now that we're getting closer to the season. It may be a scenario, for instance, somebody who recently left a review uh, has chosen to do to take a look at NFBC and non-trade leagues and some of the pointers on that. So uh, I'll be covering that pretty soon. And then also taking a look at not necessarily folks who have closer roles, but folks who are kind of your uh, super relievers who may not have access to saves right now, um, but who who I like based on skills heading into next year. I'll probably do that one closer to the start of the season when we get a better sense of where bullpen what bullpens look like. Um, But that's going to be another topic. So if you leave a rating and a review, let me know the topic or the players that you want me to cover. I am happy uh, to integrate that into the podcast schedule. In fact, you guys are making the schedule. And I really, really like that because I want to be responsive to uh, your interests and your needs and the players that uh, you're excited about. So uh, thank you very much for doing that. You can follow me as always on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. That is the best place to reach me. I'm most active there. But I'm also on Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, on Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. And it's been nice. We've been getting a few more people uh, signing up over there, um, which is fun. And then the blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. I also have a YouTube channel. Just search for BatFlipCrazy on YouTube that has some 
some uh, videos that I've done, including an explanation of pitcher and hitter rolling average graphs and how I, I use those for fantasy analysis. So if you're, in, if you're interested in those, check that out. Subscribe over there. Anthony Rendon, Nick Castellanos, Walker Bueller, the awesome at minor graphs, uh, fantasy baseball tool. Let's get this start. This party started, folks. First on today's podcast, we are going to cover Anthony Rendon, third baseman for the Washington Nationals. In the 10-2 early mock drafts, Rendon was going at an average draft position of 55. Uh, In the NFBC, he is currently going at 50.6 with a low pick of 37 and a max pick of 70. So down a little bit, Rendon is a guy I anticipate um, his 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 uh, draft stock will hold around this point, um, if not go up a little bit heading into the season. I think we've had a number of consistent years in a row uh, for Rendon, and he's now going to be batting at, at. I mean, he's always kind of been at the heart of the Nationals lineup, um, either batting second uh, or batting five. But um, he should be right there at in the in the cleanup spot probably this year, um, if not the number three spot. So. Uh, really nice um, opportunity, I think, for more counting stats for Rendon being there. Even though Bryce Harper is gone, uh, I think the Nationals are still going to have a really uh, solid team uh, with Trey Turner, uh, Victor Robles, Adam Eaton, um, and others in that lineup. Let's take a look. Um, Rendon, 597 plate appearances uh, last year in 2018, 605 and 647 the two years before that. So, for a guy, I think, who came into the league with some injury concerns, he's been pretty solid at or above 600 plate appearances the last three years. 308 batting average this year, 301 last year, 270 uh, two years ago with an expected batting average of 312, 306, and 283. So I think you're looking at a guy who is going to contribute a really solid, uh, if not elite, batting average. And that is something that is really critical in today's fantasy landscape. When we take a look at the underlying skills, they're extremely stable. And so I think that's another just benefit for um, you know folks who end up owning Rendon this year is I think the, the average is, is consistent uh, and it's there and the underlying skills are really stable too. So I like that a lot. 323 Babbitt this year, 314 and 304, two years before that. Where he's really made some progress over the last couple years is in his strikeout rate down to 13.7 this year, 13.6 last year, and that's down from 18.1% two years ago. So really nice. And we see that that, cor- that drop in, in strikeout rate corresponded with an increase in contact, 87 to 88% the last two years, uh, 3 to 4% jump over where he was um, two years ago. So we see that jump in contact corresponding with the decrease in K percentage. He's 10% above league average overall in contact. And then his in-zone contact is at 91.7 and 91.8% the last two years. An elite figure right there, that is 6% better than league average. So when it comes to batting average, Rendon is about as solid as they come, hitting 300 the last two years. And that's definitely supported by those really strong uh, contact skills. The plate discipline has also been pretty strong. Um, for Rendon, 
374 OBP uh, in 2018, 403 the year before that, 348 um, in 2016. The O swing, uh, it actually jumped up considerably this year, up to 28.1%, still better than league average, but it was down at 20.1% for 2017. Um, but that looks more like the outlier since the 2016 mark is at 27.6%. So I'm not sure what happened in 2017, but his plate discipline was incredible. So it's always possible that he could return to that. But even with um, skills in two of the last three years, everything is better than league average, which is really nice to see. Uh, swing percentage went up a lot, 47.7% um, this year. Again, um, you know, he's maybe he was being a little bit more aggressive this year. Or he was being a little bit more aggressive this year. So just something of note, 9.2% walk rate, 139 last year, 10% the year before that. So right around 10% or above uh, the last three years. Runs per plate appearance, 14.7% last year, 13.4%, and then 14.1%. You know what I'm going to do at the end of this? I'm going to add a roster resource lookup where you can kind of see where they anticipate um, him ending up in the batting order. Uh, I think that's probably the best uh, resource that we have to go by at this juncture in the season. But really solid runs per plate appearances, you know, not hitting triple digits, but high to low um, uh, 80s, uh, pretty sh- small range there over the three years. So again, really consistent, really solid. Home runs 20, 25, and then 24 in 2018. So the last two years, right around 25 home runs. Uh, expected home runs 28.7 last year. So he underperformed considerably. 25.3 the year before that, 18.5 the year before that. So really nice home run totals too. Um, so, you know, he's not He's not probably going to be a 30 home run guy. He could get there. I think that's probably, you know, the the peak if we're being honest with each other. But, you know, that 25 home runs is really solid. And when we think about the last, you know, last year at least with the dejuicing of the ball, uh, we didn't see those monster home run totals from Judge and Stanton that kind of skewed things. And so a guy who hits 25 home runs, remember Cody Bellinger, who's actually going a uh, think he's going ahead of Rendon in drafts I'll have to double check that he might be going a little bit after them but you know this is about the same power that um, you know Cody Bellinger who's known more as a power hitter hit so that's really nice to see from Rendon and I think that's the overall trend with Rendon is you know he's not somebody who's destroying any one category outside of maybe batting average but he's just a really consistent producer across the board in at least four categories five if you count OBP and then stolen bases you know, he'll get you a couple. We'll get to that um, in a second. Uh, home runs per plate appearance, four, uh, 4%, 4.1%. The last two years, that's better than league average at 3.6%. But his expected home runs per plate appearance last year was 4.8%. That is the same. Um, uh, that is the same. That uh, is a solid number, uh, well bu- above league average. And then his expected home run per plate appearance last year was 4.2%. So, Two years where both the home run per plate appearance and expected home run per plate appearance were above 4%, so better than league average there. Heart hit rate uh, jumped for Rendon up to 37.8% from 34.3% last year, so that's nice. Slightly better than league average. Uh, One area where he is trending positively is in the ground ball percentage, 32.6%. So that's close to a league low in terms of ground ball rate. So he's hitting a lot of line drives and fly balls. And what's really nice about that, too, is a lot of times when folks get that low ground ball percentage, 
it means that their average is going to be hit by it. But both the batting average and the expected batting average were both really high, even with that um, 32.6% ground ball rate. 43.2% is league average, just to give you context. 12.1% home run per fly ball, followed by following 12.3% home run per fly ball rate uh, last year. So again, two consecutive years of right around uh, 12 to 12.5% uh, for his home run per fly and expected home run per fly ball. He did have a 14.5% expected home run per fly ball rate. So again, opportunities for uh, potentially some improvement there. Uh, he is 28, uh, I believe. So, um, you know, he's still still in his prime. Hard hit fly ball rate uh, trending up slightly. 34% two years ago, 33.3%. Last year, 36.4%. This year, uh, so a, a three-year high this year, although right around uh, league average, slightly below. But he does pull a decent amount of those uh, hard hit uh, fly balls. 36.8%. 41.2% and then 44.4% this last year. So that's really encouraging. You know, a guy like Rendon, he doesn't have the elite, elite power um, that we see from a lot of guys. And so those hard hit pulled fly balls are important. And he's got three consecutive years of better than league average in that, in that department. And so that's a really encouraging sign, I think, for um, him producing consistent power this year. 47 barrels for a 7.9% barrel per plate appearance. This is a big jump up from 4.6% and 4.2% the two previous years. Again, this is really nice, um, you know, in terms of the power. Maybe there is a little bit more power there in Rendon's bat, Um, you know, so uh, we got that to look forward to. 92 uh, RBI this year after 100 last year and 85 the year before that. 15.4% 15.4% RBI per plate appearance, 16.5%, and then 13.1% uh, in terms of his RBI. Obviously, it is helpful um, to have uh, to be batting behind uh, Bryce Harper in a lot of situations. Um, so again, don't know where Harper exactly is going to end up, but um, you know, I imagine that Rendon is going to be in the heart of that lineup with continuing to have some at least a really solid. OBP guys in front of him. Uh, Woba, 383 with a 395 expected, 394 last year with a 402 expected. So the last two years, again, very consistent, very solid. One area where he was down last year was in his stolen bases. Only two stolen bases in 2018 after 7 and 12, the two years before that. So not necessarily elite numbers because his stolen base per plate appearance was at 0.3 last year. 1.2 1.2 the year before that and 1.9% the year before that. So the last, so two of the last three years right around uh, league average or on either side of league average. So again, though, you know, those are just kind of, um, he's accruing those with plate appearances by just being about league average, but that's really solid. So if he can get back to that, right? So over the last three years, he has 21 stolen bases. So if he can give you seven this year, that's a really nice contribution from a guy who is helping you out in all other, you know, four and five categories when you count in OBP. Uh, His stolen base success rate, though, not super great. Um, 66.7% two years ago, 66.7% this year, uh, a best of 77.8% last year. So the three-year trend in that direction is he's only successful on about two of three attempts. So that might explain a little bit uh, about why he was not stealing as frequently uh, last year. 
uh, only three stolen base opportunities. His stolen base opportunity percentage has gone down for three consecutive years, 6.9%, 3.2%, 1.2% last year. Uh, not surprisingly, so has his sprint speed, 28.1 feet per second to 27.5 feet per second, and then 273 um feet per second last year. So slowly dwindling in that department, still slightly above league average, but important to note. Um, so maybe we shouldn't expect that seven uh, stolen bases, you know, although it's definitely within the, the realm of possibility, uh, but maybe it's more like a five, uh, five or so. So we'll see. We'll see where he ends up. Don't count on the speed necessarily, but you can count on really solid contributions in all other cal- categories in most fantasy leagues. I have he up here um, the uh, Washington Nationals roster resource projection for lineups. And what it looks like is Adam Eaton batting first, followed by Trey Turner, and then Anthony Rendon, uh, followed by Juan Soto and Ryan Zimmerman. So I would anticipate maybe flopping of Turner and Eaton just to go right, left, right, left. Um, potentially I've heard, heard some Nats fans mention that either way, both Eaton and Turner are solid, if not strong in the OBP department. And the best place for counting stats to bat is, uh, the third position in the batting lineup. So really, really like that, um, for, uh, Rendon. I believe this is also, um, Rendon's, um, I believe this is also his walk year. This is his, his last year before, um, free agency. Um, yeah, it looks like that is the case. And so, you know, whether or not he gets a bump based on that, we know that he'll obviously be trying to do as well as possible. Not that he is in other times, um, you know, and, and I don't think the research supports that players play better in their free agent year, but just something uh, to consider. Overall, though, really nice for Rendon there. Let's take a look at his detailed batted ball profile. Uh, via X stats, again, this is the six batted ball categories instead of the traditional three uh, that we take a look at. Um, and some good trends here. Pop-up percentage is still high, 21.8% compared to 18% for league average. But that's down from 26.2% last year. Again, remember, um, Rendon is hitting a lot of fly balls and not a lot of ground balls. So those pop-ups will happen. Um, the good news is that his hard drive percentage is up at 158 this year. That's 5% better than league average and a three-year high for him. Really love to see that. And then his dribbler percentage is also very low, 15.4% uh, when 24.6% is league average. So he's hitting slightly more pop-ups than we'd like, but he's hitting a lot uh, fewer dribbler uh, dribblers than we'd than, um, than average, which is really good. And then, so the combination is that he's just got a lot of, uh, a high percentage of batted balls um, you know, in that ground ball, line drive, hard drive uh, categories, which um, is what we want to see because those are really the BABIP drivers. When we take a look at his expected BABIP over the last three years, 316, 320, and 324, so very consistent there, and not super high. So he's not a guy who's relying on crazy BABIPs um, to, uh, to get those really high batting averages. His value hit percentage it, uh, over the last three years, very consistent 104 10.6, and 10.7%, with 9% being league average. And then his poor hit percentage dropped uh, 3% from last year down to 26%, which is a little bit worse than league average, but again, um, a really solid batted ball profile 
uh, for Rendon. Let's take a look at the rolling averages. Rolling average, very solid trend line for um, his Z contact over 40 games. Uh, ended the season uh, around a high for him, around 93.8% for Z contact, which is like Jose Ramirez good. Um, and again, just very solid. Most of last year spent above the three-year trend line, um, which is right around 91% in zone contact. So again, very, very solid there. When we take a look at his O-swing, he had a really big peak in the middle of the year in this O-swing, where it actually got around 35%, but it crashed back down. He finished the year with a 40-game uh, average around 25% um, after being consistently below 25% last year. So, you know, what was going on during that um, time when he became a little bit more aggressive outside the zone, which we don't necessarily want to see, I'm not sure, but um, it obviously didn't hurt him in his overall production this year, but very possible that he could return um, and maybe even should return to that mid-20s uh, O-swing uh, next year, which is really, really nice. Hard hit rate, really solid. Spends most of the year above uh, the three-year trend line as well. Finishes around 36%, so right around league average, um, as does the ground ball percentage at 33.8%. So again, love to see um, the lower uh, ground ball percentage there. Um, and the hard hit rate, again, you know, he's not necessarily uh, super elite at hard, dry, hard, hard hit rate, um, but what he did do last year was have a, a career high in terms of his hard hit rate, although the whole league did too, so just something um, to note there. Uh, let's take a look at where he is going in drafts. As I mentioned um, previously, Rendon now with some more drafts in the book, so 32 uh, NFPC drafts in the book. He's at 49.84. So he does have, he is moving up a little bit slowly but surely up these draft boards. A min pick of 37 and 70 still um, among third basemen. The five players going ahead of him Edwin Diaz, Cody Bellinger, Xander Bogarts, Ozzy Albies, and Carlos Correa. Of those guys, the only one I like more than uh, Rendon is Bogarts. I professed my deep, undying affection for. Xander Bogarts uh, in the last podcast. And I think I like him more than Rendon just because I think the power, I mean, I think the stolen bases are going to be higher next year. But again, very similar players in terms of the overall profile. Um, so I like Rendon better than Albies. I like him better than Bellinger. Um, I like him better than Diaz just because I don't take relief pitchers uh, that high up. Going behind him, Patrick Corbin, Eugenio Suarez, Glaber Torres, James Pacton, Steven Strasburg. Again, you know, quite a bit of pitchers there, but I like him better than both Suarez and Torres. I think Rendon um, has the better batting average. I think the power numbers will be pretty similar. I think the context is pretty similar. Um, a little bit more speed, at least, than Suarez. I think Glaber Torres is going way too high. Um, he actually doesn't have that much more speed, I don't think, um, than Rendon does. But again, I haven't done a deep dive on those two. But, um, you know, essentially I like where Rendon is going a lot. I think he sh probably should be pushed up the board a little bit for me. Um, I would say that among hitters going in the 40 range, I would probably have uh, Rendon and Bogarts um, higher up in the low 40s. Um, again, a lot of pitchers are going between four, pick 40 and 50, um, but I really like Rendon right there. Let's take a look at him in terms of uh, the context of third baseman overall. Um, you got Ramirez, Arenado, Bregman, Baez, Bryant, uh, Vlad Jr., 
uh, Eugenio Suarez, Miguel Andujar, Matt Carpenter, Max Muncy, Matt Chapman, so on and so forth. I think Rendon is is relatively appropriately priced. Um, for me, you know, I am not, I don't know prospects that well. I know Vladito is likely going to crush it. Um, I would definitely have Rendon above Chris Bryant. I think the batting average for Rendon is going to be much better. I think the counting stats overall, I'd actually lean Rendon over Bryant because I think the RBI potential uh, is higher than for Bryant. At least it has been the last couple years. And the runs should be relatively similar. I actually think the power is pretty similar uh, between the two of them in terms of mid, uh, mid-20s. mid Most likely Bryant with a higher ceiling, obviously. Um, but I don't want to bake on it too much. And then I think the stolen bases will be about the same with it. Maybe even a little slight edge to Rendon, given Bryant has slowed down considerably uh, in that uh, respect. So I'd probably have him as my number five or six uh, third baseman, depending on the level of risk you want to take with Vladito. Again, it's tough to get real deep into Vladito. I'd rely much more on prospect folks who are who are super high on him and, and don't think don't have any problem taking him, you know, around thirty seven point six. So let's put him him and Vladito for me are kind of five six, uh, depending on the level of risk that you want to take. But Rendon, at least, you know, Vladito, the batting average is kind of the high point, and I think Rendon already has that too. So probably lean Rendon there. So that is Anthony Rendon, third baseman for the Washington Nationals, a guy that I really, really like um, heading into next year, and a guy that actually in a dynasty league I recently traded for. So putting my money where my mouth is, I guess. Um, Rendon, guy that I will probably own um, in a decent number of teams uh, heading into next year. Next up, we have Nick Castellanos, outfielder for the Detroit Tigers. His two early mock draft ADP was at 86.8, um, and it has fallen back to 94.2 in the uh, 32 or so NFBC drafts that have taken place so far, with a low pick of 61 and a high pick of 122. Over the last three years, he has put up plate, plate appearances of 678, 665, and 447. So really solid uh, the last two years. He's been very healthy. Uh, 298 batting average last year, which is a three-year high. 272 and 285 the two years before that. The expected average supported um, that 298 with a 304. Expected average last year, 277 and 273 the two years before that. One of the major reasons for the jump in batting average was a jump in BABIP, 361 uh, this year in terms of his BABIP, 313 and 345 the two years before that. His strikeout rate right at league average of 22.3% after 21.4 and 24.8%. Major reason um, for uh, that is his in-zone contact rate is right around league average, 85.1, 85.2, and 84.8 the last three years. Uh, so very solid in terms of his in-zone contact rates, his overall contact rates uh, below league average, 71.2, 74.5, and 72.8. Uh, so could see a situation where uh, those that K rate uh, dips a little bit um, but right around league average looks about right. 354, uh, OBP 320 and 331 the last three years. 354 being the most recent one. 
It's not because he has particularly good plate discipline, 37.4% O-swing, that's 7% worse than league average, 33.1% last year, 37.6% two years ago. So definitely the higher O-swing in two of the last three years, even that 33% is still uh, 2.2% worse than league average. So in OBP leagues, he definitely takes a hit. The batting average looks fairly solid. I think you know the the BABIP is a three-year high, so we could see a little bit of a decrease there. Um, and the contact is not is doesn't necessarily support fully the league average strikeout rate. I would be, you know, at, it may because he is a little bit more aggressive in terms of his swings swing rate of fifty-five point one percent. So let's just call it even there. Um, so maybe some slight, you know, regression in that batting average, but uh, solid overall. OBP again, he takes a little bit um, of a hit, though that average provides a nice little uh, foundation to build off of. Walk rates of 7.2%, 6.2%, and 6.3%. One thing you may see, given he plays for the Tigers and their lineup is not great, um, is a little bit of an increase in the walk percentage due to intentional walks or being just being pitched around. Uh, Miggy roster resource currently has Miggy batting fourth cleanup behind Castellanos, um, who is uh, penciled in at the three spot. So the three spot is great for counting stats, but again, he's not going to be in a very good lineup. Uh, it currently has Kristen Stewart and uh, Heimer Candelario as the two guys batting in front of him. So that gives you a little context. For that reason, not surprised that his rate stats are not terrific. 88. Uh, runs, 13% runs per plate appearance. So that's actually pretty solid. Uh, 73 and seven and 54, the two years before that, 11% and 12.1%. Um, home runs, 23 last year, although that came on 27.4 expected home runs. And then 26 home runs on 27 expected home runs last year. 18 on 23.5 the year before that. So the 27, you know, the mid-20s, maybe even you know, mid to high 20s looks like uh, the right number um, for our buddy Castellanos. When we take a look at the home run per plate appearance, right around league average, slightly above uh, on most metrics. Um, so again, you know, not necessarily the, uh, the really strong power uh, that you, you might expect from Castellanos just thinking about his name. Again, mid 20s is solid. It's not going to hurt you, but uh, he has not shown that elite power potential so far. Uh, career high, 47.9% hard hit rate. That is very, very elite. His ground ball percentage also at a really nice 35.4%. But the home run per fly ball is just, um, you know, it's better than league average. At league average is 12.7%. It was 13.6%. This year, 143 instead of 13.7%, the two years before that. So again, you know, he's underforming, performing consistently on his expected home runs. So it may be a Detroit thing, just because I know there's been stat cast issues with the Detroit ballpark. It's a good hitters park, but it's not a good home run park. So just something to consider. Um, so those ho those home runs per fly ball rates, pretty average despite pretty elite um, power metrics. 46.2% hard hit fly ball rate, 37.5% is league average. This is actually down from 48.4 and 52.7%, but still really solid number. Hard hit pulled fly ball rate is not uh, terrific. 21.7, 21.6, and then 25.6 this year. 
So headed in the right direction, again, there's not a lot of year-to-year -year correlation um, between uh, for hard hit pulled fly ball rate, but you know he's consistently in the kind of low 20%, so not necessarily where we want him to be. Barrels, 53 for 7.8% after 77 and 9.8%. Again, he's a stat cast darling, but... You know, uh, I don't know if there's ever been any resolution to it, but Detroit and Stackass has always been a little funky. So 384, 397, and 400 for average home run distance. Not super elite there either. From an RBI perspective, 89, 101, and 58. The 101 number, really nice there. That came on a 15.2% RBI per plate appearance, which seems a bit high um, for him. 13.1 and 13%, the two years... Um, uh, sandwiching that 15.2%, just given who he's around, um, that seems like, you know, a better than league average, but not terrific, uh, RBI per plate appearance, which, which seems reasonable for him. 363 Woba, 376 expected Woba, um, last year. So again, very solid there. Speed is not a thing. He's actually not slow, Castellanos, 26.9 feet per second two years ago, but then miraculously 28.1 and 27.8 the last two years. So the last two years, he's been better than league average by about a full one foot per second, um, but he does not, he's not a good base dealer. Uh, his stolen base success rate over the last three years is around 50%, uh, one four, and then two stolen bases last year. So a total of six over the last three years. Stolen base uh, opportunity percentage, 1.5, 4.6, and 1.3. There really is no reason why he should be stealing at all. So give him one or two this year, but he just has not been successful with it, despite a little bit of, uh, of foot speed. Let's take a look at the detailed batted ball profile um, for Castellanos. Um, over the last three years, um, have really low uh, pop-up percentages, especially for a decent power guy. 15.7% uh, this year uh, after 13.6 and 16.7, the two years before that. Again, 18% is league average. The reason why I'm going to focus on pop-up percentage, hard drive percentage, and dribbler percentage, I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but those have the highest year-to-year -year correlation, so R-squared values. Um, yeah, I think uh, dribbler percentage and pop-up percentage are the strongest, and then hard drive percentage is the strongest after that, but very close, both with R all three with R-squared values around 0.5. I'm not a statistician, but I do follow some on Twitter, and I think that's a decent correlation year-to-year. 16.3% -year. Um, uh, hard drive rate, and this is where Castellanos has been really strong uh, over the last three years, 16.3% hard drive rate, 18.5 last year and 19% uh, the year before that. So three consecutive years of really strong hard drive percentage, 10.8% is league average. Uh, dribbler percentage, 15.3%, 17%, and 15.4%. So again, very strong number there. So one of the things that is driving the high Babbitt for Castellanos is the fact that he, you know, he stays away from pop-ups, he stays away from dribblers, and so he hits a lot of those ground balls, line drives, and hard drives, which are what generates those higher BABIPs. You can see that in the value hit percentage, 11.8%, which is a 3% high. 
That's 2.8% better than league average, which is really nice. But then his poor hit percentage is only 19.8%, which is down about 5% from last year uh, and is well below by 6% the league average. So he's hitting balls better than he's getting a lot of value hits, according to X stats, and he's also getting um, a lot of uh, and very few poor hits, and that's going to generate that high BABIP, which he needs to support a a very solid batting average. So that's just something, um, you know, overall, I think the batted ball profile for Castellanos is definitely one of the selling points for him. Um, And in the three areas that have a really strong year-to-year correlation, he's also strongest. And so I think that bodes really well, especially, you know, he's going to be 27 Uh, during the season this year you know he's right in his prime and so you know I think the major step that he has to take to kind of reach that next level since we're not going to see stolen bases from him is those power numbers and getting those a little bit higher let's take a look at the 40 game rolling average for Castellanos pretty solid contact throughout this year a little dip uh, in the middle of the year kind of July to to August um, but then back up uh, in September um, to around a year high of 88.5% for 40 games. Um, so very solid um, in general there and pretty consistent in the in-zone contact rate, which is really nice. If we can see that in-zone contact and the overall contact rate um, bump up, I think that's really that bodes well um, for him um, for that batting average too, given the, the really solid batted ball profile. Um, when you take a look at the hard drive, again, hard, drive, hard hit metric is one of the calling cards of Castellanos. Really solid, pretty much the full year above the three-year average, uh, peaking at 53.7 over 40 games, ending in July 13th. Uh, ended the year on a lower note, but still really, really solid overall. Uh, the, the ground ball percentage, very low. A little bit of a spike towards the end of the year. Um, uh, in the low 40s, but again, very solid, uh, very consistent. And then the O swing up higher than we would like it to be, um, over 40. Um, again, I think that's one of the one of the weaknesses that I would see in Castellanos um, is the plate discipline. Um, it's definitely an area where he could improve. Took a little bit of a step back last year after having um, some improvements in 2017. And so if there's something that's going to kind of leap Castellanos to the forefront next year, I would look for uh, improved plate discipline, uh, improved contact rate overall, but most importantly, in-zone contact. So he's swinging and and connecting on the right pitches. Um, He's already got the hard hit rate um, and the um, batted ball profile uh, that you want. And so really Castellanos uh, is a a solid guy. He's he's probably going to contribute in batting average. Uh, decently in OBP because that average four, uh, he's going to contribute not that much in runs, um, you know, but uh, he is batting number three. And if he can get enough plate appearances, he, he can get into that 80 range like he was last year. Uh, the RBIs may be decent. Um, he, he hits a different, decent number of home runs. And again, he gets a lot of plate appearances. Uh, again, Heimer Candelario and Kristen Stewart are probably not the two best the the best one-two punch in the league. And so that's going to keep that down a little bit like we saw last year where he dipped below triple digits, but still should be pretty solid. Um, And then I think home run total in the mid-20s 
with the possibility with increased contact um, uh, to see that uh, rise a little bit, but again, not necessarily in the best environment in terms of um, uh, Tiger Stadium uh, for power. And then the stolen bases aren't necessarily, um, they aren't going to be there. Uh, he also lost uh, dual eligibility, uh, Castellanos. Last year, I believe he was uh, third base and outfield. He's just an outfielder now, and so I think that, that, that dings his value a little bit. Let's take a look at the five hitters going in front of Castellanos right now. Eddie Rosario um, at 86.9. Uh, Castellanos is at 90.9. Uh, Jose Abreu at 85. Mitch Haniger at 81. Jesus Aguilar at 79.7. Joey Votto at 79.3. The three guys going behind him, Justin Upton at 92. Scooter Gannett at 96. Shohei Otani at 96. Victor Robles at 97.5. And then Max Muncy at 100. Uh, I definitely like Castellanos more than Muncy. Um, just because I think in batting average leagues in particular, I think Muncy loses a decent amount. And again, will he be platooned uh, with the Dodgers against lefties? I like Robles more than Castellanos, probably. I think Robles is one of these guys who, you know, had he been healthy last year and played a decent chunk of the season would be much higher on draft boards. I think the speed is there. Um, and I think that's going to drive a lot of value. So that's good. I think he can also hit for double digit power. And he's going to be in a decent lineup. Um, I, I really like Victor Robles um, next year. I think you get, it's very unlikely, I think, come next year that we'll see that you'll be able to get a guy with Robles' skills uh, around uh, pick 100. Um, and he's got that speed, which really distinguishes him from a guy like Castellanos, where Robles could you know, provide value in, in batting average uh, runs, maybe not RBI hit a decent amount of home runs, but that the stolen bases just carry it. I think you can get what Castellanos gives you, at least an RBI and home run uh, later on in the draft. Scooter Gannett, uh, I like Castellanos more uh, than Scooter, but I do think that Scooter's a little bit underrated after what he's done the last two years. Uh, Justin Upton, again, really consistent uh, producer, more power, uh, better stolen bases, the batting average is obviously important, but Upton's also in a better lineup right around Mike Trout, so I think they're they're pretty comparable. Corey Seager at 91.7. I like Castellanos more than Seager um, for sure. The guys going ahead of him, I like Rosario more. Um, Abreu, I think, is a good, a pretty good comp for Castellanos, obviously. They both have really, um, have had strong uh, batting average profiles. I think Abreu was very unlucky last year. I think his expected average was 293 um, when he hit, you know, much worse than that. Uh, and so I think he's going to bounce back. But, you know, again, not going to contribute a ton in runs. Uh, not going to contribute a ton necessarily in home runs. Going to contribute in RBI and not really in stolen bases. So I think I might actually put Castellanos a little bit ahead of Abreu. Um mostly because of the batting average um, and because of the age. He's heading into his prime. I think there's a little bit more upside, but um, just something to consider. Haniger is a really solid guy. Again, um, I think him and Castellanos are pretty similar, actually, except Haniger has more speed. Uh, Aguilar, um, similar, similar profile to um, Abreu. 
I might dip Aguilar a little bit. I did a little bit of a deep dive on him. I haven't I haven't done the podcast on him, but I took a look. Everything's really solid. I think the power uh, potential is obviously there. I think he he kind of had a perfect first half. Some really high, at least for RBI perspective, RBI per plate appearance. And he's obviously in a really good lineup, really good ballpark, so that he may be able to continue that. But, um, you know, I'm not necessarily sure. And then Votto, um, I got to dig deep on him too. So I think Castellanos is going about the right spot. I could see bumping him up maybe uh, slightly. Um, but again, he doesn't necessarily have any overly distinguishing characteristics. The batting average has a lot of potential, and it was great last year, but he doesn't have the same track record um, as somebody like a Rendon. Uh, maybe, or guys who have hit, hit more consistently in the 300s. Um, but, you know, again, there's there's definitely room for improvement heading into his year uh, 27. So Castellanos, a guy that I like. I think he's 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 pretty much appropriately valued here uh, going around pick uh, 91 um, in drafts, outfielder uh, for the Detroit Tigers. Next up, we have Walker Bueller, starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Bueller went at an average draft position in the two early mock drafts of 63.8. Don't you wish that ADP stuck around? In the NFBC drafts, through 32 of them, he's at 38.6. So he's up 25 spots after incredible performance in the playoffs, a minimum pick of 30, a max pick of 50. And I expect that that will continue to go up um, as folks dive into Bueller, as you were about um, to see. Now, one thing that I think is important to note from the get-go on Bueller, I'm only going to focus on um, 2018 uh, numbers. He only faced 44 batters in 2017, so I'm going to disregard those. I think Bueller is a really clear example of why it's important to do rolling averages and not just look at season-long stats. Because what you're going to see towards the end of this segment of the podcast, not to ruin it for you, but is that he really improved as the year progressed, including some of the underlying metrics um, like swinging strike rate. So just something really important to always do is don't just look at the singular number for the course of the year. It's obviously the largest sample size you get uh, within a single year, so it's really important and valuable. Uh, but also make sure that you're looking at the shorter-term trends because you can see whether those just look like maybe they were facing weaker competition, or maybe was there was a pitch uh, pitch type change, like in their in their pitch mix. Whatever it is, always take a look at that. So um, that's just always a good reminder, and Bueller will uh, kind of bring that home for us. 23 games started, 136 and one-third innings pitched, eight wins, so actually a pretty low wins per game started of 34.8%. K-minus walk rate, a really strong uh, 21.6%, so not in that elite territory like we've seen with some guys, but uh, pretty close to it. 13.8% again is league average. His strikeout rate was 28.5%. It's actually really nice to see it um, up there, really close to the 30% since, um, uh, you know, the walks, uh, well, the walks actually stayed low. Never mind. Forget what I was going to say. That K, that K percentage is really nice. 
Um, just, just focus on that. 151 strikeouts in those 136 and a third innings, 9.97 strikeouts per nine. Swinging strike rate at 11.1%. So this is only 0.4% better than league average of 10.7%. and doesn't really uh, align with that 28.4% strikeout rate. So there was definitely some luck involved over the course of the full season. But again, as we'll see in the rolling averages over the last 10 games of the year, his swinging strike rate, I believe, was closer to 14%, if not above that. And that is borderline elite uh, strikeout numbers. So, O contact 63.1%, right around league average. In zone contact 83.4%, slightly below league average of 85.5%. His overall contact rate 77.1% was right at league average. Walk percentage 6.8%, so uh, better than league average, which is 8.5%. Um, Uh, 2.38 walks per nine. His first pitch strike rate, 63.7%. Better than league average by 3%. O swing, uh, not that good. Right around league average, 0.5% above it at 31.4%. But he's in the zone a lot, 47% compared to 43% league average. The whip reflects uh, that low walk percentage and a very low BABIP that he gave up. Uh, 0.92 whip. With a 241 Babbitt, that does come on a 283 expected Babbitt. So it's important to note that while uh, Bueller did do a great job of managing contact last year, and we'll see that in the detailed batted ball profile, he also got uh, lucky according to XStat. So it's important not to go in thinking that he's going to be able to replicate that uh, 241 Babbitt again. So You know, that may see his whip rise slightly if the K percentage doesn't, um, if the K percentage doesn't increase. So we'll see. Um, We'll see what happens there. But again, he did do a good job. Even that 283 BABIP is better than league average of 293. Soft hit rate, 23.6%, well above the 18.1% league average. 34.5% hard hit rate right around league average and a 50% ground ball rate. So again, that ground ball rate is is pretty solid. You know, to be honest with you, I've mentioned it before. I think there are different ways to get people out. Ground ball percentage obviously makes sure that there aren't a ton of extra base hits. So it limits, limits damage in that sense. But again, we've seen some guys um, who can give up extreme fly ball rates and pitch high in the zone. Guys like Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. They're some of the best pitchers in the league because they can hold BABIPs uh, relatively low while posting pretty elite uh, home run per fly ball rate. So just something to notice. There's different ways to go. I'm not somebody who, you know, uh, is looking uh, really strongly at ground ball percentage. I think it's just important in the context of each pitcher to understand how they get people out and the type of damage that they're giving up. So that's that's that. Uh, Woba 247 expected weighted on base average of 248. That is awesome. So that just shows that Despite giving up, um, getting lucky in terms of BABIP, we'll see in a second, he got unlucky in terms of the home runs that he gave up. So when all is said and done, those kind of work together to even things out in terms of his expected WOBA. And that 248 figure is really, really nice. 231 ERA, uh, his ERA estimators, 292 FIP, 315 XFIP, 325 Sierra. So he outperformed those. That's because he outperformed his BABIP. And while he did get lucky on home runs, he still 
uh, had a really low home run per fly ball rate at 10.4%. Um, so I don't believe the ERA estimators when it comes to Bueller, at least so far, um, just because, um, you know, he's earned what he's been able to produce in terms of a lower than expected BABIP and then a lower than expected home run per fly ball rate. Let's take a look at that. Uh, his strand rate was 80.6%, so that may come down a little bit. But again, high strikeout pitchers, especially guys that can keep the BABIP in check, tend to have higher strand rates. I should actually research that before I say that that's definite. But just intuitively, it seems to make sense that guys who strike people out, so don't allow balls in play, or who don't give up a lot of base hits, um, will have higher strand rates because they're giving up fewer base hits when people are on base, and they're striking people out when people are on base, and when you strike somebody out when people are on base, unless it's a wild pitch, runners aren't going to move forward. So intuitively, that seems to make sense. But again, I should double check that with research. Maybe that's a research project for somebody who listens to the podcast and wants to to look into that. But maybe we'll see a little bit of given that strand rate um, closer to the mid-70s, but uh, just something to consider. Home runs, he gave up 12 home runs last year, but only 7.3 expected home runs. So he got really unlucky last year to the tune of 47 Home run, uh, home runs in only 136 innings, so that's pretty big. And then when you look at his home run per fly ball rate, 10.4 percent home run to fly ball rate, expected home run to fly ball rate of 6.9 percent, 0.73 home runs per nine, 0.48 expected home runs per nine. Again, I wouldn't necessarily expect that to um, continue. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that elite of a job. I mean, very few pitchers, if any, can do that that consistently but you know uh, really solid overall that he's able to manage contact both on the ground and in the air barrels 15 for 2.8 percent barrels per plate appearance that is a really really nice number um, for Bueller that's it's terrific 399 average home run distance all right let's get into the good stuff um, not that that isn't good stuff I mean that was awesome I hope you guys really enjoyed that um, but uh, I love getting into these detailed batted ball profiles and the pitch splits and stuff like that with the pitchers. I think that's where um, it becomes super interesting. Pop-up percentage, 17.6%, so right around league average for Bueller. Uh, his bread and butter, though, is poor ground balls, 30% dribbler percentage. Uh, that's about 5.5% better than league average, so that's where he's generating the poor contact. And then he really limits that. The hard drive percentage, 7.8%. So that's 3% below league average. Again, really, really strong numbers there across the board. Um, when we look at his value hit percentage, only 6.1%. So 3% better than league average, just very few value hits. And then the poor hit at 27.2% is better than league average by about 1.7%. Um, so again, he's minimizing good contact. He's maximizing poor content. That's the reason why that ex-BABIP is at 283, that ex-OB is at 248, and that home run, expected home run total is so low. Just really, really solid overall. And not to in, continue to inflate the hype train, but when you dive into the pitch mix for Bueller, it's even more impressive uh, let's start off with velocity. His velocity in 2018 was 96.3 miles per hour on the four-seam fastball. It's down from 98.2 last year, but remember he gave he pitched a lot uh, in the th from the bullpen um, last year, uh, and he's also got a sinker that's almost as hard, 96.1 for that sinker. So just really uh, 
really nice velocity. When we look at the repertoire, he's got five pitches that he threw more than 200, 200 times last year. Again, remember, it's only 236 innings pitched. All have a WRC plus below 100. So uh, hitters are below league average on those pitches. Four seam at 66, sinker at 84, curveball at 39, cutter at 75, and the slider at 21. When we look at the Woba against those pitches, 254 for the four seam, 284 for the sinker, 212 for the curveball, 266 for the cutter, and 184 for the slider. He also throws a changeup. It's easily his worst pitch, 163 WRC plus 399 Woba. Just get rid of it, Walker. You don't need it. And to be honest with you, I mean, the sinker, uh, yes, he is a ground ball pitcher, but he's not giving up hard contact in the air. That sinker is the, wor- is the second worst pitch, and it has the worst Woba outside of the changeup at 284. So, you know, you could even see him throwing that less and throwing that four-seam fastball more. And why would you want to throw the four-seam fastball more? Because it's got a 12.5% swinging strike rate. So an elite swinging strike rate for a fastball. Uh, it's also got a solid 29.8% O-swing for a fastball. Again, these are fastballs, folks. That's like, I mean, that it wouldn't be good if it was like a curveball or uh, a slider. But for a fastball, those are really solid. And what's awesome about having a fastball that generates that type of swing and miss like his four seam and the O swing is there's just such 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 a nice baseline for Bueller. I mean, like if he just threw his fastball, and obviously this isn't true, but like if we were to just look at his fastball, he would have a very strong swinging strike rate of 12.5%. Now that's not even with it with that's without adding in some of the secondary pitches. Now the secondary pitches aren't that amazing when it comes to the underlying skills curveball 10.3% swinging strike rate. So very low, uh, 27.8% um, O swing. Um, that curveball is generating 73.3% ground balls though. So that's the ball that they're really beating into the ground. Uh, same with um, his sinker there. Uh, the cutter at 12% uh, swinging strike rate, 37.3% O swing. And then the slider at a 14.6% swinging strike rate, 38.1% O swing. So that slider, the pitch that he so- throws uh, second least often to that changeup. Again, the changeup has like a 3.9% per- swinging strike rate. Just get rid of that pitch. Stop throwing it. And it may be that he did do that. We can take a look at that in a second. But um, again, you know, the slider is probably his second best pitch when it comes to Ks, but he doesn't throw it all that often. And I think that's what kind of kept the swinging strike rate um, down a little bit. But what I really love about Bueller is number one, that four seam fastball sets a really nice baseline for the swinging strike rate. It's got velocity. It's got everything that you really want in a four seam fastball, right? It's Verlander esque. Uh, it's Cole esque, Garrett Cole esque. You know, it's one of these really truly elite pitches. You can see that with a 1.1 pitch value per 100 for 9.6, even the sinker at 1.1 positive pitch value for 100. That's really high for fastballs. Um, That level of positive outcomes um, is really, really strong for a fastball. And then there's a lot of room for improvement um, on already solid pitches in his other pitches that he's throwing. And that slider, 3.3 positive pitch value per 100. Again, these are outcome-based. So it's not necessarily the underlying skills. It's what happens with the at-bats. But just really, really strong numbers 
um, and pitch mix uh, here across the board for Bueller. Let's take a look at those 10 game rolling averages that I mentioned at the beginning of this segment. And this is, again, really, really nice to see. The Z contact, the lowest point, is the last 10 games at 81.7%, which would be elite. Again, 85.5% is league average. And generally speaking, the best pitchers in the game have the lowest Z contact. So if you're looking for one metric to kind of summarize how good a pitcher is going to be, generally Z contact is a good one. We have to look at other indicators, but guys who can get swing and misses on pitches inside the zone generally tend to become or are the truly elite guys in the game. That AV 1.7% over the last 10 games is really, really nice. Um, especially earlier in the year, you know, he was, he was worse than league average there. So that's really nice to see. The first pitch strike hanging around league average um, towards the end of the season. Um, so again, not super elite control metric there. The zone percentage was also down um, at 44.1%, but the O swing was up at 36%. Um, over his last 10 games. So again, compensating, not having to throw the ball in the zone as much because he's getting to folks to change chase outside the zone by 5%. Um, so even though that the zone percentage um, was down uh, 3% from his overall average for the year, his O swing over that same period of time was up 5%. So the overall number of strikes that he's getting in that scenario actually increased because he didn't have to throw the ball in the zone as much. That's a really, really nice sign. And then taking a look at the swinging strike rate over the last 10 games, it was at 13.3%. So, you know, his profile actually, it's different. The pitch mix is different, but I see a lot of similarities to Aaron Nola, just in terms of like the underlying skills, uh, that nice progression or improvement in the Z contact, um, you know, the, the bump up in the swinging strike rate. Um, so uh, all looking really, really nice um, for, um, uh, for our buddy here. Uh, so let's take a look at the pitch mix and how that changed. So four-seam fastball uptick during that period of time by about 3%. Let's see if he dipped the sinker usage over the same period of time. Yep, a slight decline in the sinker percentage down to 16% of his pitches. So headed in the right direction which is really nice to see. Let's actually change that to five games and let's see what that looks like now. Okay, not, not, as, um, not as much, although his swinging strike rate over the last five games was 15.3%, if you were thinking about that. Um, and then let's take a look at the slider usage too. I'm interested to see if there was some change in the slider usage and the change up usage as well. So change up is only about 3% of his pitches. Keep it there, Walker. Don't get it down to zero. Slider, again, only 11% of his pitches, pretty consistent there. Um, so there's just something to note. I was really interested in Bueller's profile, so I did take a look at Brooks Baseball as well just to see how the sw swinging strike rate uh, changed uh, per month uh, for Bueller on each one of his pitches. And so the slider really took a step forward um, uh, in October, uh, during the playoffs and in September. In September, it had a 24% swinging strike rate, that slider, and a 19.5% uh, swinging strike rate in, um, in October. And one thing that I did notice there is that his fastball velocity increased uh, towards the end of the year, and the velocity on his slider uh, decreased. 
So there was a bigger gap between that the fastball and the slider. So I don't know if that means anything. I don't know enough about pitching to know that, uh, but I uh, that could be something. Uh, curveball also generated um, its highest swinging strike rate in September, uh, up to 19.7 percent, um, and then 13 percent. Um, so that's really nice to see as well. And his four seam fastball had a 19 percent swinging strike rate uh, in September, a 15. 0.7% swinging strike rate uh, in August. So, I mean, just really nasty stuff. 14% in July. So, I mean, just really nice. The guy can throw his fastball and get elite swinging strike rates. Uh, the sinker, again, even that generated a decent amount of whiffs towards the end of the year, but lowest amount of whiffs. And then the changeup, um, again, not a, not a terrific pitch. But he did start throwing it um, more towards the end of the season um, and uh, at least from a swinging strike perspective, it was okay. So all in all, Walker Bueller. What to say about Walker Bueller? Well, let's take a look at him uh, in terms of his overall ADP. To the uh, He's going, as I mentioned, 38.6 right now. Luis Severino's ahead of him. Trevor Bauer's ahead of him. Clayton Kershaw's ahead of him and Garrett Cole. Those are the five pitchers ahead of him. I would spring Bueller over Severino for sure. You guys know that I'm down on Sevi and also above Kershaw. I think Kershaw's stuff, you know, again, I covered him on one of the earlier podcasts. I covered Luis Severino on an earlier podcast. So check those out if you're interested in the deep dive there. But I just think that they, uh, I think Severino's got two pitches. I don't think the changeup is good enough, at least from a botted ball perspective. And so he may be in the kind of Michael Pineda, Nick Pavetta, uh, high BABIP guys, um, unless he can get that pitch back to where it was last year. Again, he's better than those guys, but uh, you get the get the point. And then I think Kershaw, a lot of the skills eroded significantly with the fastball velocity, so unless that returns, I don't like him there. So, um, And then in terms of guys going behind him, Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard, um, and then Patrick Corbin way back at 50. Uh, I think I like him more than those guys. Um, I, I definitely think I like those guys. I think those are it's a really nice grouping right there. The the Syndergaard, Carrasco, Bueller um, for your even for a, uh, an ace. Um, and if you're getting them as a second pitcher, maybe um, you know I, I'm definitely somebody who's thinking about going two starting pitchers uh, in my first three draft picks. So um, Bueller is a guy that I would not mind having. So where does that put uh Bueller he probably is a top 10 pitcher for me I'd have him right around number 10 um if not number 10 exactly and so for me that would push him into the lower 30s in terms of the place that he's going so I mean there's a bunch of great guys going around there right I mean you know that back end of the second round beginning of the third round you have Snell you have Cole Kershaw again don't like him that much you got Bauer you got Bueller um, so I see him in that same group, maybe a little bit behind those other guys, just because we don't have, we haven't seen the volume necessarily yet. Uh, but I think the skills are there. The stuff is there. The fastball is there, um, for him to have like a Garrett Cole slash Justin Verlander like season. And I think the swinging strike stuff is coming around. And so Bueller's a guy I like a lot. I think the value right now is solid. Um, if you could, you know, one of the things that I dream about, I'll tell you about one of my dream scenarios, maybe. Okay. Dream scenario might be in a 15 team league, you're drafting from the seven or eight spot and you're going like Christian Yelich, 
to start off with. So giving yourself a really solid batting average uh, foundation, a really solid stolen base foundation, really solid counting stats foundation, and then power in the mid-20s. Um, and then uh, after that, you go somebody like Snell at uh, going around pick 28. Is that right? Am I messing that up? Well, yeah, gosh, 15 plus seven. I shouldn't be doing math while the podcast is going. Whatever, around the 24th pick, right? So you could go with a guy like Verlander um, or you could go with a, guy, with a guy like Snell if you really want to go with, with the, uh, the skills there. You could even go a guy like Cole or Kluber. Um, and then coming back around, you could go with a guy um, you know, like Bueller, um, uh, at the 30A spot. Um, so just something to think about. Um, you know, my dream again, uh, I'm going to say this dream every single time is starting out Mike Trout and then going like Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole to start off with towards the end of, uh, uh at the two, three turn, something like that, I think would just be nasty. Um, but anyways, that's enough. That's enough of on, on Bueller. I really like Bueller. He's got everything going for him. He's young. He's got that fastball, which is just such a nice foundation. He's building those other pieces to the equation. And I would not be surprised to see him uh, jump into, um, you know, contention for a top five starting pitcher spot this year and kind of take the mantle from a guy like Verlander, uh, or, you know, and, and there's just so many good pitchers going around that, 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 um, that, that spot in the draft. So that is a deep, deep dive on Walker Bueller. I hope you enjoyed that really solid and intriguing guy heading into next year. Today, I'm going to do a Reach Charles segment. Again, the Reach Charles segment stems from my excitement on a Charles Woodson interception back in college where I yelled Reach Charles as I took a pick six in a Madden game back in the day. But it just exemplifies or reflects something that I am super enthused about and just really excited about in the realm of baseball and fantasy baseball. Today, I just wanted to give a shout out um, and a reach Charles to uh, Smada uh, online uh, on Twitter at Smada underscore uh, BB on Twitter. He's definitely a great follow, a friend of the podcast for sure. Smada just came out with a new feature. Um, it's actually a Twitter account slash website. You can follow it on Twitter at Minor Graphs. That's at M-I-N-O-R, graphs. Um, And essentially what he's done is created rolling average graphs for minor league players. Um, Right now, I'm pretty sure it's just for for hitters um, at the moment, but he has put together rolling average graphs for all minor league players. Um, players, also major league players. We, we have that functionality, but the minor leaguers is great, especially for folks who play in dynasty leagues. Like I'm on here with my dynasty league and I'm just typing in each one of my hitters just to see how they were doing throughout the course of the year. Because a lot of times, you know, what we get is where they're at in the current season, right? You go to their fan graphs playing page. For those of us who don't follow the minors super closely, we may not be um, as familiar with um, you know, how players are doing in season. Like, did they in, end the season on a high? Did they end the season on the low? You know, things of that nature. And so this is just a really, really great 
um, resource to check out. You can go there. You just enter the player's name. You choose the metric. You choose the number of games that you want to see a rolling average for. And then you create the graphs. It gives you options like smooth line to show you like the, the trend without the variance of the up and down. Uh, it gives you the points so that you can hover over theirs and kind of see where they were um, over different points in time. And then also uh, their career average so you can see how they're doing uh, compared to league average. For instance, I, you know, like I have my dynasty league. It's coming up. I'm going to be looking at each one of those players um, and seeing like who I'm really interested in keeping on my minor league roster if I've got a crunch for spaces or at the beginning of the year if I want to add a bunch of minor leaguers. And so I'm looking at guys like like Trent Grisham, for instance, on the Brewers. He's in Double A. Um, you know, he's he's a guy. It's an OBP league. He walks a ton, um, but you know, he has a low average. Doesn't hit for a ton of power. And so I'm taking a look at him, for instance, and I'm looking at his 30-game rolling ISO, and I see that in 2018, towards the end of the year, he really started to put things together. Now, the ISO wasn't, you know, tip-top shape, but it was, it was on the trend up. And you know me, if you know me, if you listen to the podcast, I love rolling average graphs, I love trends, I love to see people heading in the right direction. So that might be a reason why we might think about holding on to him a little bit uh, longer, seeing how he starts uh, next year, if he's still kind of a guy that's worth holding on to it's a deep league like I think we have 25 or 20 minor leaguers um, in a 20 team league so it gets pretty deep but just guys like that who you want to kind of check out see how they're doing how they're progressing in the minor leagues I looked at Wenseal Perez for instance um, who's a young guy uh, for the Detroit Tigers playing shortstop to see how he was doing um, in the adjustment to a ball um, and just overall and kind of his trends and where he's been so that was super Um, interesting to see. So this is just a really, really great resource that people need to be following on Twitter. The awesome thing is, is that, you know, he's only had this for a few days and it's already got 775 followers. I'm seeing a ton of people uh, posting. I'm seeing on the timeline, they're posting about the different rolling average graphs that they did. Um, You know, and just really, really cool tool. Whenever these types of tools come out, I just tip my cap to the people like Smata who are putting them out. You know, he's developed the skills in R to be able to put this together. Um, He's done a ton of work. He's sharing the code online uh, for people. Just a really, really terrific tool, terrific resource for fantasy baseball players, especially dynasty people. So hats off to to Smata. I'm really excited to get into this and check it out and continue to follow it. Um, throughout the year. I am in a dynasty league with Smata, so I'm a little concerned about it, but I just want to let him know if he's listening that I'm definitely going to be using this tool to continue to beat you uh, in our dynasty league. So I hope this this shout out, this, uh, this reach Charles doesn't make you think that you're going to win the dynasty league anytime soon. You're going down whether you've created an awesome tool or not. So again, Really, really excited, really enthused for the minor, the at minor graphs Twitter account. There's a link in the profile um, to the actual rolling average graphs webpage, which is on Smata's website, which is smataplaysfantasy.com. So definitely check that out. Really awesome. Thank you, Smata, for putting that together. Really appreciate it. Go check it out, everybody. That is going to wrap us up for episode 47 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much 
uh, for listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, covering Anthony Rendon, a guy who's going to contribute really strongly um, in five of six categories, and he's not even going to hurt you in stolen bases that much either. So that's really nice. Nick Castellanos, a guy who's going to help you in most categories, definitely not stolen bases. And then Walker Bueller, a guy who, uh, even though he's the helium has moved him up very high in drafts, I think everything about him uh, looks really, really good. I think as folks dive into him more, he's going to continue to move up draft boards. And I like him uh, as a top 10 pitcher uh, for next year. Uh, also, again, another shout out in the reach Charles to Smada at Smada underscore BB, his new Twitter account at Minor Graphs, uh, and, and the website, which is linked to in the profile, um, where you can check out rolling average graphs for minor league players. And it is an awesome dynasty tool and just a fun thing to play around with, especially uh, if you're not as familiar with prospects like I am. It's a really good way to get yourself up to speed on how folks are doing um, you know, in, in terms of their trends and things like that. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday period, uh, a Merry Christmas. Um, if you celebrate Christmas, a happy Hanukkah. I know that was earlier, um, in December. Um, if you celebrate that, uh, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you are celebrating, I really hope, um, that you, uh, enjoyed yourself and that you are looking forward to the new year, a new opportunity to dominate your fantasy baseball leagues. You definitely need some rest before you start to dominate folks, right? You can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, Instagram at BatFlipCrazy, Facebook at BatFlipCrazyFantasy. The blog is BatFlipCrazy.com. YouTube, just search for BatFlipCrazy. Thank you so much for listening. Super excited. Every day that goes by is a day that we are closer to our fantasy drafts if you're not already drafting. Uh, And we're closer to the start of the baseball season. And nothing we love more. The true Christmas for everybody in the world is opening day. And we are getting closer to that point in time. So thank you so much for listening along. Hope you're enjoying it. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know uh, what you're thinking about the podcast. If there are topics that you want to, that you're interested, that you want to listen to, leave that rating, leave that review. I'm really excited to be responsive to Uh, what folks are are interested in and want to hear moving forward. So let me know what that is. Thanks so much for listening. Best of luck with your baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.